Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. We have a really great guest today. We have Audrey Stanfield. She is a writer. She is a comedian. She is an actor. And uh, she's been doing it for quite some time. She's done a lot of work out of the UCB Theater, which we get into in our chat And it's a fun one. I really appreciated having her on. She gave some really uh, straightforward advice to people that I I think is going to be really good for you to hear. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Audrey Stanfield. I know that you studied acting in college. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is bio stuff that anyone can see. And you do a lot of stuff at UCB. Uh, let's talk about how you made that transition from doing Shakespeare to doing improv mm-hmm. comedy and what made you even want to do it. I like that question because it's kind of not, it's not super, well, basically I was doing, I was in the HB studio. I don't know if you're familiar with that acting studio. It's located mm-hmm. in the West Village and it's a really prestigious um, acting studio that teaches um hagen um training mm-hmm. and the hagen kind of like theory of acting you know there's different theories of acting or whatever and um so i was an ensemble member there um, my first couple of years in new york um because i had done the hb studio intensive i was accepted into that uh, between my junior and senior years of college so that brought me to new york for the first time from missouri is when i did that intensive um and then I kind of knew I wanted to move to New York uh, very shortly after being, you know, in this fucking crazy ass city for a while. So, um, so I moved to New York, and then I was I was accepted into the HB Ensemble, where we did a lot of original works, and then also Shakespearean um, plays. And uh, I really enjoyed doing that. And then I was kind of like trying to figure out because I was obviously very young, working a lot of restaurant jobs, trying mm-hmm. to figure out who the fuck I was, and. You know, I kind of, like, always had the idea in my mind, like, I really wanted to be, like, the next Kate Blanchett. Like, that was, like, mm-hmm. my path. I was, like, I'm, I want to be a classical classical actress. Um, and she's so great. That's a great person to admire. She's so great, and I just love her whole energy and vibe, but I really kind of assimilate with, um, like, kind of her acting style and mm-hmm. her range in terms of comedy and drama and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just really look up to her as a performer. Yeah. So, but I was like, you know, I'm going to be the next Meryl Streep. I'm going to be the next Kate Blanchett. That that's going to be my thing. And then I kind of realized after being in the city for a couple of years that shit doesn't happen overnight. Um, and it's actually, in fact, very hard to get seen at equity auditions on mm-hmm. Broadway and yada yada yada. And I didn't have my equity card. I was doing some background work on television shows. Um, and I took a. I took a class, I took a, uh, took a uh, casting workshop with a couple of casting directors. One of them happened to be Allison Frank, who used to, mm. um, used to work for, oh shit, um, some casting studio, some like non-equity casting studio in the city. Um, but 
uh, Liz Lewis. That's what it, that's what it was. And she is now an independent contractor in terms of casting. But we did a lot of commercial copy in the class, mm-hmm. and I was doing commercial copy for some stupid thing. And she, I was improv, I was improvising, and I was riffing off of it. Um, and she said because you know sometimes that happens in castings and blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And then after that was done, she um, she's a very hard person to make laugh. She's kind of one of those stereotypical like if she had a cig- if she could have a cigarette in her hand at all times, she would. Uh, <laughs> like very like typical like kind of grizzly New Yorker. Like nothing's going to really impress her, and she laughed a lot. She was like, um, "Have you ever considered taking classes at UCB?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I have no fucking idea what that is." And <laughs> she was like, "Well, it looks really good on a resume." And that's kind of like, I was so industry oriented at the time that I was like, well, that's all I fucking need to hear. So literally the next day I signed up for Improv 101 mm-hmm. at UCB. And how long um, ago was that? That was seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard there seven was a big wave of that happening around that time of, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, casting yeah, yeah. directors saying like, hey, go do that. Well, I think it's when UCB was truly at its hottest. Because yeah. like Kate McKinnon had just got cast on SNL, like it, they were. I mean, it was. I think. I think that was honestly like the peak and prime of UCB. Mm-hmm. It was probably seven or eight years ago. So I got in a, a really fucking great time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I took my one hundred and one, and then I went. I, I took an intensive with Will Hines, um, and then I went right into two hundred and one, and then I got um, accepted as an intern because I couldn't afford to take more classes. So I applied for the internship program at UCB. I got accepted as an intern. I started interning at um, UCB East and um, met a lot more people in the community then and uh, was kind of like did the whole improv thing for a while because everybody was doing that. Right, um, but you got into sketch big there because you were on a few different sketch I teams did. there. I and did. were you a yeah, performer so- and writer when you were on the sketch teams? No, it was um, it was a lot more common to have performer writers, like as opposed to now where they really tried out to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the pool was not nearly as big back then. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I was just a performer on Mod Night, so I got accepted on to Mod Night after I auditioned. I submit submit one year, didn't get an audition. Submit the next year, got an audition, didn't get a call back, and then the third year I got all the way through. Awesome. So um, Shannon O'Neill put me on Mod Night in 2014, um, and because I kind of realized that like improv wasn't going anywhere for me, and it wasn't my strong suit. Um, so I was like, I like acting, and I want to be able right. to to join my love of you know performing on stage, which was my backbone. Right, and, but then and also making script analyzing, laugh. even you know that was because when you do improv for a while, you're not working with a script and. I realized how much I missed that, how much I missed oh, yeah. trying to develop a character and figure out what the story is and tell that story right. So that, I guess, being on sketch helps you scratch that itch. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, I did. Um, I got accepted on some Mod Night and then um, was on the team Goodbye Handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, my neighborhood is so fucking noisy. Oh, it's fine. Was on the team, <laughs> Goodbye Handsome, uh, with a lot of... Uh, I was on that team with the now artistic director of UCBLA, Christine Bowen, awesome. um, and a lot of like old school rookies. Mm-hmm. And um, 
was on that team. Through that team, I got a commercial agent um, through a recommendation of one of my other uh, cast members. Awesome. Um, so I've been with my commercial agency for four or five years now. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's... You know, and that's the way it happens. You know, somebody helping you out. That's that's yeah. we need each other really in this industry. I mean, There's so many cutthroat truly, people, but we need each other. It's it's like it's one of the reasons I want to and will be famous. Uh, is to basically just build my fucking friends up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we're just watching the um, Kevin Hart docuseries on Netflix, and that's essentially what he's done. He's building his friends up, and that's what Adam yep. Sandler has done his whole career. So that's- Absolutely. I can't wait until I'm at a point where I can cast my diehard, you know, fucking talented ass friends in in my stuff that I'm producing and creating, you know. Yeah. And you did get into writing a bunch because you have a one woman show now for everyone's eyes only. Very funny title. And when did writing become a part of it for you? Like, when did you you get into that? I realized when I was on Mod Night, I kind and even before, I kind of realized that in order to kind of make your own way, you can't rely on other people to do it. So I started, I started being like, well, I can write sketch comedy, get some friends with good cameras to film it for me as a favor and then put it online and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really lucky because I did that. My first ever sketch that I wrote was called Live Representative. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, a guy uh, calling Chase Bank um, or Bank of the Nations is what I called it in the sketch. It's, a guy, it's about a guy calling a bank and getting a live representative because, you know, Chase had just done this thing where they were like, we're getting rid of all automated calls and now you're talking to an actual person and it was this whole revelatory fucking ad campaign they did mm-hmm. and i was like well there's something funny about that so i wrote a sketch about a guy calling and actually wanting actually preferring to talk to a robot <laughs> that's funny um because a robot can't access all of his personal weird fucking things that he's buying a robot can't judge him for all mm-hmm. of his spending you know so i wrote that sketch um huff actually picked it up and featured it um, and uh, it went viral on Funny or Die, got featured on the front page. So that was really cool. Um, that was like the first thing I ever, that was the first thing I ever wrote. Um, and How, uh, yeah. I imagine the on. time you were spending with the mod teams uh, helped you write, helped you learn how to write, or were you taking classes? Definitely, definitely. I I did take Sketch 101 uh, and 201, um, so that kind of helped, but also, also, yeah, definitely, like, working on a mod team and just seeing how much the writers had to turn out every month was Mm -hmm. um, an incentive for myself to do the same thing, because I was like, well, if they can fucking do it, I can, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's, uh, you have a, I feel like a very useful and needed uh, characteristic that I'm picking up on that's is very, very useful in this industry of just, like, confidence and believing in yourself and going for it. You know, it takes a long time, and it takes a lot of years, and God knows I didn't have a lot of confidence when I was getting rejected from Mon Night, and I was mm-hmm. getting rejected from auditions, and I was getting, you know, I was, I, God knows I've been a fucking bartender in the city for so long. <laughs> and that stuff can, you know, get really discouraging um yeah but you know after you put in so many years um and you start to see the fruits of your labor kind of like take form which i very much have particularly just in the last few years my career has taken off a lot more 
um, then you start to you start to kind of understand that you that you are worth it and you are worthy of success. Um, and while it does kind of take a lot of pounding the pavement for a long time, mm-hmm. um, you know, like when I was early in my career before I had representation, I was doing a lot of these fucking one-on-one classes. And when I was young, all these casting directors and agents, you know, they would tell me, they were like, look, they were like, you, you're 21 years old. You don't have any credits. You read as a 30-year-old. You look too old to be casting as the college or high school, but you're huh? still too physically young to be playing the mom or the aunt or the best friend of the mom or whatever. And they were like, you're not going to hit your stride until you're in your 30s. And, I, you know, at the time I was like, fuck you. But yeah. they, sure enough, they were right. You know, they were completely right. <sighs> so, wow. you know, it's a, it's a journey. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I, you know, young people come to me all the time now for – for advice or coaching or counseling, and I tell them the same thing. I'm just like, you know, you really could just kind of have to, like, yes, a lot of it is fate. <laughs> a lot yeah. of it is being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But unless you open up those windows for yourself to be in the right place at the right time, then it's it's never going right. to happen. Right, and you that gotta, takes a lot of just sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you really yeah. do. You know, so many people give up, and I absolutely refuse to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's really encouraging. How did you... How else did you build confidence? Well, um, I got a good circle of friends, I think. Um, I ingrained and kind of uh, initiated myself in the comedy community uh, with people and forced myself to go to those nights at McManus and forced mm-hmm. myself to get out and have a couple of beers and talk to people. And and really, you know, the thing about comedians is there's so many fucking introverts in this community. And so... Yeah. A lot of people sit around and wonder why they haven't made it yet, but it's like, well, you have to go out and just kind of, you have to kind of shove your face in other people's business a little bit, (laughs) uh, tactfully, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, You gotta, you have to collaborate with people. You have to start writing, you know, you have to start writing meetups. You have to, you know, tell people, hey, I want to make a thing. Can you help me make this thing? Um, Mm -hmm. So I think like that boosted my confidence a lot because when I started seeing that other people that were also trying to do the same thing I was doing Mm -hmm. believed in me, particularly superiors, um, you know, at UCB, you know, when they said you're funny, like it really, sometimes all it just takes is for somebody like Will Hines to laugh at you in an improv scene. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you're like, Oh shit, I think I do have what it takes. And you know, I I will say also like things like therapy helped me (laughs) and like, you know, like just having, just having someone, you know, in the age of social media, too, it's, it's a little fucking gross and grotesque. But, you know, put it, like getting those new headshots, putting your face out there a little bit, having people say, God, you're fucking gorgeous and you're talented and you're funny. And just hearing those little things, like seeing a, a good positive comment on a YouTube video. It's just like mm-hmm. sometimes that's just enough to literally get you through the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll keep those good people around you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I tried that too. That's some good <laughs> advice. Holding them close and never letting them go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your show for everyone's eyes only. How long did you develop that before it was fit, you know, ready to get on stage? Um, the show was the show was in the works. I think theoretically for probably the last probably the last four years. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about writing a solo show. And it went through a lot of different phases of what my tagline and my through line was going to be. Um, but I knew I wanted it to be a character show. 
Um, and then I was on Characters Welcome, and I um, created uh, some good, solid characters in that season. Mm-hmm. And I had enough characters under my belt that I was like, okay, I'm ready to write this show. Now let's find a fun, interesting through line because, you know, UCB's whole thing is like, we don't want to see a character showcase. Don't pick, don't pitch us a character showcase. Pitch us something that's got, that's got some, some meat to it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what do I like? What do I think? You know, I was also thinking about, um, what would draw a crowd and an audience, um, just in terms of marketing. Um, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I really like James Bond movies <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I like that whole vibe, that whole like kind of big dick energy of James Bond, and and that is very much me too. So um, I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's do a James Bond themed show um, because I do have a character that I open the show with. Um, she's one of my favorites. Her name is Anus. Um, she is a master of espionage, but terrible at seduction. That's funny. Uh, and Anus stands for. Uh, She's the world's most renowned asset neutralization undercover specialist. Oh, that's so great. And it's... Simply uh, <laughs> she's named Anus. Uh, right, and it's like, in the same yeah. vein as, like, Pussy Galore, you know? I mean, that's... Yeah, a, exactly. That's another exactly. Bond name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. The poster is really funny, too. I mean, you just tripping and, and dropping a gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah, do, every time I, really, I see it online, <laughs> I laugh. Yeah, I love... I loved uh, conceptualizing that um, that poster with uh, my photographer Alex Schaefer, who does um, stuff for you know he's one of the photographers for Saturday Night Live. So I wanted oh, it cool. to kind of have that look. Yeah, it's a really great poster. So I'm not surprised yeah. to hear that someone on working with SNL is is uh, was, was one of the people behind it. Uh, what's yeah. your you mentioned you, you know your love of James Bond? Um, what's your favorite James Bond movie? Uh, I mean, probably, absolutely, Casino Royale. Um, yeah. but so that's great. Probably, yeah, probably Casino Royale, but that's probably tied with Goldeneye, just because Goldeneye, like, I'm a huge video gamer, and um, oh, cool. that's kind of, like, ingrained in my in my brain is, like, playing, like, the fucking facility level on, like, the N64 <laughs> Goldeneye. <laughs> um, and you're a video gamer, so what, what games are you into now? Are you still um, into I'm the old school? Well, I'm currently playing Spider-Man, um, oh, nice. but I'm a really big RPG fan, so mm-hmm. my favorite game of all time is The Witcher 3. Um, oh, I'm cool. like definitely a Skyrim head, and uh, I can't, I mean, to say that Red Dead Redemption 2 is one of the best games of all time is insane. Uh, that's <laughs> I really enjoyed playing that. Um, but I built my own PC, uh, and I do some PC gaming as well. Not as much, because wow. my internet connection, sadly, isn't very strong, so I can't yeah. do a lot of online playing but i like definitely went through a phase where i was like non-stop playing like left for uh left for dead and like wow uh, cool i didn't know you were super into video games um i'm not sure if you're familiar with pat may of the magnet theater but he has a video game and improv show so it makes me wonder if that's something in the cards for you later is a some kind of show that incorporates video games Mm, yeah possibly yeah, for sure. I mean, I my I think my show's probably going to end its run in February. Okay, so, so get I'm out there and see for everyone's eyes only. Yeah, you got to get out there and see it. Uh, yeah, so there are a couple telling... coming up here um, this month. Mm-hmm. January fifteenth and the thirtieth, and then I'm taking it out to LA on the twenty third. Oh, awesome! Yeah. 
So it's a busy month. And then I have a, I have a JSL. I got a JSL showcase this year. So that's on the 31st. So this month is a little insane. <laughs> yeah. Good for you though. Thank you. Yeah. A good kind of insane. Yeah. So let's talk uh, about some of that insanity in your career right now. You mentioned yesterday that you had an audition and and, and you had uh, when we were talking um, off air and also one today, I guess. So uh, auditioning for you, what sort of tips? Because I'm an actor as well. And um, I've been on auditions, landed a couple of things since moving here. I've only been here about three years. Uh, But what advice do you have for people uh, who are trying to hit that? Hit the pound the pavement and an audition. Well, my situation is a little um, a little specific, just because I do I do primarily voiceover mm-hmm. uh, work, which I'm actually fucking ecstatic about because I think the world of commercial auditioning is a hellscape that people should escape as quickly as possible. It's tough. Um, it's just such bullshit. Uh, I mean, I have a commercial agent for on-camera and voiceover, but Abrams, artist, use me, uses me mostly for voiceover work. Um, mm-hmm. And I go, I audition on average between five and ten times a week for voiceover work. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that is also kind of a numbers game. Um, I mm-hmm. think for commercial on-camera, um, I think, like, what's booked me the most jobs is when I go in kind of with a lot of, like I just mentioned, big dick energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think casting directors, what I've learned, there's so many people that go in like very timidly and they're like, hi, how are you? It's so good to see you. Like I go in now and the casting directors have their heads down and they say, hi, how are you doing today? And I look up and I just go, I'm doing fucking great. I'm fucking <laughs> crushing this day. And like just to say something a little different that they haven't heard, I think implants you in their brains a little bit more. And also I think casting directors just really like um, genuine, genuine people, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. the more you can be yourself, I think that only raises the odds for you of booking. Yeah, that's a really interesting and I think good suggestion just to make yourself stand out a little bit. Yeah, Um, absolutely. My ex-boyfriend, Sean Diston, he used to audition a lot for... um, you know, commercial work, and he told me one day, he was like, when you're leaving the room, always leave them with something that they won't forget. Like, whether it be, like, some fucking, not like a cheesy joke or something, but always mm-hmm. just, like, you know, like, turn around and be like, say something that they haven't heard all day, whether it be, like, you guys have a fucking great day, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, people <laughs> like it when you're just raw and genuine and real. They don't want to see this like one-on-one style actor with their glossy headshots and their reproduction prints and their fucking <laughs> you know nice boards or like blouse they just they want to see real people yeah particularly for comedy auditions yeah yeah that's really good advice it's really opening up a lot of things in my my brain it's it's sinking in so i'm gonna <laughs> have to let that ruminate a little bit i appreciate hearing that yeah of course I mean, it's worked for me for the most part, but also, like I said, it, it is a numbers game, too. You're not always yeah. in a book, and then, right. you know, as people say, like, you got to walk out of the room and just be like, well, that never happened. And oh, yeah. That email that you well, That's what I learned a long hold. time ago. <laughs> I mean, truly, I'm on hold right now for a $50,000 job commercial. And, and you can't think I, about it. It would be very easy for me to walk around and fucking be freaking out about it all day, but, like, right. I'm like, I can't do that, so instead, I'm just I almost don't want to hear about the money. You know, because 
when it's like, <laughs> oh, I need that. Then you start. It just, I don't know. It it just like. Oh no, it's insane. I mean, I booked yeah. a national on camera. I booked a national on camera back in October um, awesome. for McDonald's. Oh, that wow. was a huge national campaign. I was the principal of the commercial, seven-hour shoot, my own hair and makeup trailer. I mean, it was going to be a life-altering booking in terms of residuals. And then the commercial came out. I saw it one day on lo- or on the television, and I was completely cut. Oh. <laughs> uh. I'm so sorry. I didn't get yeah. anything. I got, yeah. my, I got my session fee, and that's it. And that was a huge blow because yeah. I have credit card debt and other problems that people have. You right, know? right. That's the thing. It's like when you hear those numbers, and it's like, oh, all the things this could do, and you're like, nope, stop thinking about it. Nope, nope, no, nope. Yep. <laughs> and then yep. it's like, oh yeah, it's crushing. Yeah, I'm sorry to that experience happened to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what are you gonna do? We all that's that's another thing. It's like move on and uh you know you just you have to forget about it when it doesn't work out or when it kind of works out in a weird way and then doesn't end up working out in the long run you know it's just you got to just forget about it like you forget about it when you leave the audition exactly so many of these opportunities well we have reached the end of our time together but i do want to create something with you real quick um and i feel like there are a few things that we could uh uh figure out and learn about here it could either we could create um an idea for a a, like a show like a one-person show or um create like uh an approach to auditioning maybe that would be the fun thing is like coming up with things to say when you're (laughs) trying to get everyone's attention in an audition when you're leaving or getting in the room any of those jump out at you um, I mean, yeah, I think I think a fun approach a fun approach to auditioning is fun. Okay, um, so get me in the headspace. I'm walking into the room. Um, what sort of uh, attitude should one have when they're when they're just walking into the room of an audition? Um, I think uh, I think when you walk into the audition room, particularly if you're with other people, I think. Um, play it off in your mind as though you are the only person and the most important person in the room. Okay. Um, I think walk in as though you've already booked the job. Cool. Okay. Okay. And uh, obviously that comes with a certain air about yourself of just like you're walking in like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Um, is there any particular thoughts that you have in your mind that run through that help you feel that way? I think it's always like for me. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big advocate of um, fate. <laughs> uh, as corny as that sounds, like I, I really do think and believe firmly that things, good or bad, happen for a reason to send you down a particular path that mm-hmm. is eventually going to pay in your favor. Um, so I think like when I walk into an audition room, if you remind yourself and give yourself the anecdote of like fate put me here. I'm supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. So I've been given all of the opportunities to fucking crush this and I'm supposed to crush this. Okay. I like that. And then leaving the room, you you still want to keep that confidence. Um yeah. what Whether sort or not of... you said you did good or bad, I think right. um 
you know, uh, there's so many people, it's really easy to beat yourself up if you yeah. couldn't read the copy fast enough or if they had right. to do another take or, you know, you have all these things going through your mind. I think, like, essentially, if you go in, you go in with the energy of, like, I'm supposed to be here and nothing matters. <laughs> like, it's going to, like, I'm... I'm either going to book it or not, and there's going to be so many things that are going to happen in my life down the road that are going to be way more momentous than this occasion. So let's mm-hmm. just have fun and fucking, like, try, you know, do our best. Right. Um, I think when you walk out, as long as you literally just, you know, when you say your goodbyes to the casting directors, I think you, I think, be genuine. Um, it, you know, the casting directors already know if they're going to call you back the second you start to speak. Right, yeah. So, like, you can't hold on to the room. You know, treat it as if it's a fun thing that you're doing. Auditioning can be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just know that you're most likely going to take something away from it, whether or not you book or you know, whether you book or not. You're going right. to take something away from that experience. And it's usually going to be a drive to continue to do it, whether or not you do good or bad. Some of my worst auditions propelled me to go home and write a new character. <laughs> oh, wow, because, yeah. you know, you're like, okay, well, I didn't crush that, but this happened, and I can take away something from that, or this casting director was kind of a huge bitch, and that was funny to me, or I said something insane <laughs> like, that I didn't mean to, and <laughs> that was funny. You know, so I think when you leave the room, just, like, act as though... My best, my best advice is just to... You know, act act like you act like you booked it, whether or not you did great or you ate shit. Yeah, so like maybe even saying something like, uh, you know, like if you don't think you did great, you can maybe even say like, yeah, I think it was a B for me. I can definitely give you an A when uh, when you bring me back or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think like it's important not to get too cocky about it, but definitely, True. I've definitely booked national voiceover commercials. And walking out of the booth, I turned to the casting director and I said, I didn't book that. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having a humor about yourself about some, that's it's some of the best comedy is when somebody sort of acknowledges that thing that nobody wants to say about well, what you thing. did. I mean, exactly. <laughs> like I was in, you know, I'm on hold for this big national voiceover commercial for diapers of all things, uh, which is very unbrand for me. And I <laughs> was literally in the booth and I paid someone to open up my bar for me. I paid them half of what I'd made that day just because I, ha- I wanted to make this audition because it was a national. And, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm fucking sweating bullets. People are cutting me in the, in the line. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I just got to get to work at the stupid bar. And, you know, I go into the booth. I know the casting director. I've been with her before. But I uh, walked into the booth. And she's great. She's pretty grizzly. She's like, hey, what the fuck's up, Audrey? And I'm like, hey, you're not too fucking much. Uh, super <laughs> late for work. And I read the copy. She gave me the copy. The copy, you know, was very specific in, in that the, they wanted a, the mom who sneaks the flask into the baby party. And I'm like, well, that's definitely fucking me. So I read the copy, and um, she, she kind of was a little taken aback. Cause people were spending a lot of time in the room because for nationals, they like to really nail it. And... Um, I did one take and she looks up from the other room, you know, I can see her through the thing and she goes, shit, that was, that was fucking great. Uh, <laughs> you you want to do another one? And I go, fuck no. <laughs> and she just laughs her ass off and she goes, all right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like a That's hilarious. Line.
There it is. Well, Audrey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. really enjoyed having her on. I hope you enjoyed listening to her. If you are in New York, you can see her solo show for Everyone's Eyes only on January 15th and 30th and February 15th. That's at UCB's Hell's Kitchen. And in LA, she's going to be doing the show January 23rd. You can go to the UCBtheater.com website and uh, check out when those shows are and get tickets. You can also see her show at Just for Laughs, New Faces of Comedy Showcase on January January 31st at 5.30 at Improv Asylum. Follow her on Instagram at Audrey Stanfield. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our free weekly comedy lifestyle newsletter. Links in bio for all of this. We have a fun new episode next week. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 